This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Well, good evening, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 297, recorded on Monday, the 5th of December, 2016. December already, eh? Well, I think we said that last time we recorded. It is December already. It is getting into the holiday season. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm also looking forward to not being sick. That would be really nice. It would be. I said I was getting sick last week. I managed to get through our feedback show in the middle of the week without being sick. But here I am. The cold came on just in time to ruin my weekend and lead right into this week's podcast. So Nice. Uh, I thought about pretending I was somebody else because I think I sound a little different. So if you want to... Yeah, you sound fine. If you want to redo the intro with, hi, this is Jimmy and Jason, that, that might be funny. Yeah, my buddy Jimmy, of course. <laughs> but let's we not... talked about him a little while ago, I think. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. He's a popular guy. Yeah. Anyways, I feel like we've got a jam-packed podcast here, Jason, so let's not screw around like we usually do. Done. And let's get into it. The first thing, of course, on these shows is to play an entry in our Record Your Favorite Scene contest. So this one comes from Steph in the Netherlands, except Steph's entry is about four and a half minutes long, wow. which which is awesome, but I'm also not going to play the whole thing. That's a little bit long to kick off the show here, so I'm going to play... Should, uh, we should have a record your favorite episode contest at some point. <laughs> yeah, we. I don't know if we'll get as many entries in that <laughs> one, but uh, uh, that would be fun. But I'm going to play about the first, I don't know, minute and a half or so of Steph's entry. And then what I'll do is I'll just include the whole thing at the end of the podcast. So if you want to hear the whole thing, you can. But uh, here is Steph from the Netherlands. (laughs) Jesus, you look awful. Don't you worry. We'll have Carson fix you all up. Are you thirsty? Oh, I forgot. Your mouth is all puffed up like a baboon's ass. Need a straw? D, give him a straw. What's wrong with you? See that guy? He hustles. I like hustle. But believe it or not, things weren't always cool between us. See, D here, he worked for points. Him and his super hot wife and her super hot sister. But see, sis, she needed meds. And that shit's hard to scavenge, so it costs more. Sis fell behind on points. So I asked her to marry me. Told her I would take care of her in sickness and in health, blah, blah, blah. Because I... I'm a stand-up guy. She tells me she's gonna think about it. Next thing you know, I'm dealing with an orange situation. Dwighty boy here stole all the medication and took off with his super hot wife and my super hot maybe soon to be fiance. So I had to send my guys after him. Because I can't let something like that stand. 
There are rules. All right. Thank you so much, Steph. That goes on a little bit more. We'll play the whole thing at the very end of the podcast. But of course, that was Negan explaining things to Daryl from earlier this season. Yep. Very, very nice. Now, uh, I want to talk about a couple of new prizes that I'm adding to the Record Your Favorite Scene prize box that are very exciting. You, you have a box? There's a prize box and you're putting stuff in it? Well, you know I have the Talking Dead prize uh, vault. vault? Yeah, that's yeah. right, here in the studio. And inside the vault is a box that contains all the stuff that we're going to give away to the winner of the Season 7 Record Your Favorite Scene contest. So yes, to answer your question, there's a box. Nice. Excellent. What's going in the box? Well, um, going in the box this week is two new things. One of the things is donated by a listener, which is really awesome. So listener L in the UK was nice enough to send us a couple of little lapel pins, Walking Dead related lapel pins that she made and had available in her Etsy store for a little while. I don't believe they're there now. But so that makes these very special, very unique, one of a kind type things. And um, they're little hearts with kind of what looks like a ribbon across it. And one says Glenn in honor of poor fallen head bashed in Glenn. And the other one honors Abe, who also had his head bashed in. But it says uh, here, Jason, can you read this on the camera? What does that say right there? It's uh, it's too shiny. I can't read it. Suck my nuts. I can read it now. It's uh, uh it's around a heart. <laughs> yes, it's a, it's a little banner around a heart that says "Suck my nuts." So we've got that Glenn is beautiful and suck my nuts. It is. It's very very nice. So thank you so much to L in the UK for donating those. If you want to see more of L's work, I would go to Etsy.com. That's E T S Y dot com and search for Nutmeg and Arlo. Nutmeg and A R L O. Not Megan Arlo. Um, I, I don't believe those are available anymore, I'm afraid, but there's some other uh, cute stuff there that you might want to check out. So thank you to Elle in the UK for that. The other prize that I'm adding to the box right now is um, a new card game published by Skybound Entertainment. Now, I, I don't mm. know if this has anything to do directly with Robert Kirkman, and it's definitely not directly related to The Walking Dead, but it is Skybound Entertainment, his company, and it's a card game called Super Fight. Super Fight. Yeah, so card games are really popular these days, and this one is, it's it sort of takes the idea of people sitting around arguing things like who would win, Superman versus Iron Man, or the Hulk versus Superman or whatever, you know? I remember um, those going around a few years ago, going around the internet where you would, uh, uh, you'd pit, you know, different things against other things like uh, John McClane versus the Death Star. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's the kind of thing that this is. So I haven't played the game yet, but I, I plan on giving it a try. And the way it works is there are character cards and they're not just superheroes. It can be like Abraham Lincoln or, you know, uh, Wayne Gretzky or something like that. And then there are power cards and you get a character card and some couple of power cards. You lay them down. Someone else does the same thing. And then you uh, debate or argue over who would win the fight, that character with those powers against another character with other powers. Nice. Well, John McClane would win, of course, if he was, uh, you know, in the Death Star and uh, needed to take it down. Naturally. I mean, uh, yeah, John McClane, there's not a lot of things that John McClane loses a fight to. No. And I finally got uh, official permission to add Die Hard to the Christmas movie playlist. At your house. At my house. 
so that uh, it is now on the official Christmas playlist. I'm looking forward to watching watching it again this Christmas. That is wonderful news, Jason. That's great. Very happy. Very happy. Uh, so maybe you should go pick up a copy of Die Hard on Blu-ray, and we'll add that to the the prize pack. Not the Christmas prize pack, the uh, Record Your Favorite Scene prize pack. We might, Rabbit. We might. All right. So there you go. Um, Super Fight, published by Skybound Entertainment. It's a card game. This is the core deck, uh, and there are all kinds of expansion decks out there. So this should be really fun. I know everyone's going to have a good time with that. So there's there you go. Two new prizes to go along with the uh, Nick and Norman's queen parody t-shirt that is already already in the box so uh good stuff if you want to get your entry in just pick a scene from any episode of the walking dead from any season record it by yourself or with your friends or with your family you know maybe over the holidays when you're sitting down for dinner after dinner break out the walking dead and say hey everybody let's record a scene and send it into the podcast and we can win some cool stuff right if you're sitting at the uh, the christmas table christmas dinner table and politics comes up you just say, no, we're not talking about politics. We're recording uh, this scene, and then you hand out the scripts. Perfect. I think that's a great idea, because nobody wants to talk about politics. Or right religion. Now. You know, if religion comes up, yeah, you know, you just start handing out scripts and uh, and press record. Sounds like a plan. And then send it to us. Email uh, your recordings into talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. All right, uh, moving right along. One more thing I want to mention before we get into this week's episode, and that is last week on the show, Jason, maybe on the feedback show, you asked people to send in their thoughts on uh, not watching the show versus listening to us and those who you know still listen to us and don't watch and their reasoning for the, that kind of thing. Yeah. We got some responses. We got some people who sent in emails about that. Now, I do want to... Uh, read some of those and discuss them at some point, but I don't think now is the right time because we still have, you know, these episodes to talk about. So I just wanted to let everyone know that we will hang on to those and I'll be going through them slowly over the next couple of weeks. And once the mid-season finale is behind us, I think what we'll do is include a few of those messages in a segment on one of the hiatus podcasts. So if you, you know, don't hear your comments right now, keep listening over the break and we'll try to get to them at that time. Uh, all right, time to move on into Season 7, Episode 7. Here's what it was called. Sing me a song, please, Mr. Negan. Sing me a song. Sing me a song. Sing me a song of some brains that are gone. Brains falling out of my head. Shot, stabbed, or burned. All of us turned. Into the walking dead Shuffling we walk We talk All that we do is slow Negan's a dick He calls Rick Prick Kill him and get on with the show Thank you so much to Jim in Dorchester, UK Mike in Simi Valley, California Gemma in South Wales and that last song, Jason, by Anwen in New Zealand. Do you recognize it? No, I don't. It's Tell- the Outlander theme song. With Walking Dead lyrics. With Walking Dead lyrics. It's very, very good. Well, I was blown away by that. I thought it was a completely original uh, uh, composition by Anwen, but I'm, st- I'm just as excited to hear that, you know, she just changed the lyrics to another song. I haven't seen any Outlander. Oh, yeah. No, and then two before her, this, the, the one not right next to her, but the one before that, was also the same uh, Outlander song, the Sing Me a Song, because that's how it starts. Oh, no, the one right before her by Gemma? Yeah. 
Was it right, right before or not yeah. too before? Yeah, no, the one before that was Mike in Simi Valley. Oh, right. Yeah, that's the Outlander theme song. Oh, well, both of them. Both of them were My, my were wife's fantastic. a huge fan of Outlander, and she's made me watch the, the whole two seasons. I hear there's a lot of sex on that show. Is that true? Oh, there's so much nudity. <laughs> so much. More than Game of Thrones? Uh, yeah, pretty much. All right, I might tune my, in. My wife's uh, the uh, screen background on her phone for a while was uh, the male lead, Jamie. There's this one shot where his torso is completely bare and he's doing up his uh, his pants. And uh, that was her background on her phone for quite some time. But then, but then she changed it to a picture of you with your torso bare doing up your pants and everything was back to normal with the world. No, actually now it's Jasper. <laughs> Fully closed. Oh, okay. Well, he doesn't wear <laughs> pants yet, so... <laughs> he does. He's wearing pants right now. Oh, good, good, good. Cute All little right. pants. He looks like... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love his little pants. Very good. Uh, okay. Well, I'm going to start watching Outlander, but first, uh, we're going to recap Season 7, Episode 7 of The Walking Dead called Sing Me a Song. And it starts with Michonne on the road. She's looking at the burnt mattresses that the Savior's left there. She's walking along, she's whistling, and a couple of walkers come out of the forest along the edges of the road and start to follow her after a couple of minutes. Um, Just she, like the Pied Piper. That's what she's doing. She's drawing them out. Exactly. So a couple minutes are, you know, not that, not that long goes by, but she kills them and we see her drag one away by his feet while she continues whistling. And before we cut away, uh, the shot kind of lingers on a walkie-talkie that's sticking out of her bag. Mm -hmm. Which I thought at the time was maybe important, but as the episode went on, I'm not so sure it was all that important. At least not couldn't, in this episode. Couldn't anything be called a walkie-talkie now? Because, you know, we carry our phones around with us. Those are pretty much walkie-talkies. I've walkie-talked and talked. <laughs> yeah, you also own real walkie-talkies, so you've got well, all two-way radios, yeah, covered. That's right. Yeah. Well, the camera lingered on it. I was thinking, oh, walkie-talkie, that's going to come into play later, which I don't think it did. Uh, not yet. No, not yet. We cut over to Aaron and Rick, and they wake up in the back of a truck. Rick has a walkie-talkie as well, which he holds in his hand and looks at for a minute. So I'm like, see, walkie-talkies. They're going to be using those before you know it. Mm -hmm. um, Aaron gets up and opens the truck gate, and the they remark on something that they didn't see last night. But we don't know what it is. They don't show the audience what it is. So now we cut to a couple of Negan's guys, and they're with the truck that Jesus and Carl are hiding in, and they're waiting, it appears to be that they're waiting for a bunch of walkers down the road a bit to clear out before they continue. Yeah, and one guy's just chawing down on a uh, cucumber, which I think is funny. That's okay. For some reason, I don't know why. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, I've eaten a cucumber like that before. Have you? Yeah. I mean, oh, we... That's not, a good idea. Not usually a, like a big full-size English cucumber or something, but they sell those little little baby ones now. They call baby cucumbers. The kids eat them all the time, and you can eat a whole one of those in one go. Oh, that's a good idea. My wife and I were just talking the other day. They were thinking about growing a bunch of little tiny cucumbers and uh, making pickles out of them. And then we thought it would be funny that if, when people asked what we did for a living, we said, we have a pickle farm. That's a great idea. <laughs> it's, a, it's an awesome idea. <laughs> Make pickles and send me some because I love pickles. Yeah. Uh, so these guys are waiting for these walkers to clear the road and they chat a bit about some savior stuff. Uh, and then once they decide that the, the zombies have cleared, they leave and Jesus and Carl come out of hiding. So they were in the back of that truck that whole time. Yep. And 
inside breathing the tr- and farting and making noise and nobody noticed because <laughs> those two guys were sitting there all night and they didn't notice uh, two guys in the back. And then once they uh, Jesus and and Carl come out of the back, they start moving around and they they're not being quiet. Like they're shuffling boxes and cutting things and it's like they're making a lot of noise back there and moving around. If you were driving a van. And somebody started stomping around in the back of your van. Would you notice? Well, I'm not entirely sure I would, but you seem to think that normal people would. I think I would. I think I would notice that somebody's making that much noise in the back of the truck. Like even with all the road noise and the engine noise and you got the radio turned up and... But you're sitting there and then, you know, I don't know. It just feels like the, somebody moving around in the back would cause jostling that was not explainable to the uh, to the driver. It's possible, but you could also explain it with like, like none of those boxes were tied down or anything. Things might just shift around, fall over. Of well, course, that's there. The, you know, that's that's the other problem is that when you got a load with no gate in the back of the truck, you tie that shit down. Well, of course you do, but these guys didn't. I don't think they seem to be not the smartest uh, guys in the world. So I don't know, but you're you're right. It's kind of silly that at the very least they sat there all night and hung out and ate cucumbers and nobody noticed Carl and and uh, Jesus hiding in the back there. But apparently that's Breathing what and happened. Farting and making noise. Yeah, exactly. Because that's that's what we do all night. Yeah. Well, uh, they're in the back. Jesus cuts the bottom of a box, as you said, and he starts squirting maple syrup out the back as he's making a trail. Uh, doesn't seem like much of a trail to me, but okay. Well, maybe he's got a really good sense of smell, or he's planning <laughs> to lick the road periodically. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, yep, can still taste <laughs> yep. that maple syrup. Yep, sweet. Very nice. <laughs> uh, or maybe he's just trying to, uh, you know, by pouring the maple syrup, he's trying to get all the ants to make a line that he could follow. That's what it is. He's trying to get ants to make a trail, not just the maple syrup trail. Right. Okay, okay well, so that's not a bad idea then. Uh, sure. You just follow the ants. <laughs> follow the right? ants. Lead you straight to Negan's compound. Yeah. So Jesus says he thinks they're close and decides to bail out of the truck and hide. So this was his plan. Remember, we decided we were talking about what the hell is his plan? Well, he's going to jump out ahead of time. Yeah. Carl says that he'll follow, but then, of course, doesn't. And uh, once Jesus is out, Carl stays in the truck and waves, bye. I'm Bye-bye. Fooled you, you know. So the truck pulls into the Savior's compound. Carl gets a gun ready because there's a box of guns back there. And when Negan's guys come into the back, he opens fire and kills a couple of them. Mm -hmm. So this is Carl's plan to just start shooting. And what kind of gun was that, Chris? That was a fully automatic military rifle. Assault rifle. That's correct. Assault rifle. Which comes up later in this episode. <laughs> yeah, it's not a machine gun. <laughs> no, but uh, we'll talk about that later. Uh, so Carl jumps out of the back of this thing. He's standing on the gate of the uh, of the truck, and he says he only wants Negan. Nobody else has to die. And, of course, Negan is there because we heard him talking about unloading the truck. And uh, Negan says, you're adorable, calls him adorable. <laughs> he is adorable. Yeah, of course. Who, his big floppy hair and his big hat and his eye patch and his, his assault rifle with an extended magazine. Yeah, he's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> what a uh, 14-year-old wouldn't be with all that stuff. So D- Negan kind of hides behind his own guys as he's talking. And meat then, shield. A meat shield, that's right. And then Dwight ends up tackling Carl and taking his weapons 
Negan calls Carl a guest and says that he'll show him around, and all the while Daryl's in the zombie pit watching all this happen. So Carl didn't really, I don't know, he I don't think he really thought through his plan all that well, and it kind of ended pretty quick. I don't know if he didn't think it through, I just think that he didn't have uh, an exit strategy. No, he didn't, but if his plan involved getting a gun which I don't know how he knew there'd be guns in that truck, but let's just say he knew somehow. But jumping into that truck, holding an assault rifle, and as soon as they parked, just opening fire, and Negan standing right there, which was a massive stroke of luck, probably, why not just open fire? And he knew that this was Negan's truck, in quotes, right? Right. So he, he knew that all this stuff that was off to the compound of the Saviors was meant for Negan, so he could be fairly sure that A, it contained guns, B, it contained cucumbers, and C, that Negan would be standing outside uh, the back of the truck when it uh, when it completed. So well, Carl had everything he needed. Go- he knew that going into the back of the truck. But he didn't open fire. I know he would have been shot. He would have been killed. But he would have got off the first few rounds and probably taken out Negan. Yeah. But he didn't. So he was afraid no, to he die? Didn't. He failed. Okay. Well, I, I guess so. I, I, I was just sort of wondering why, like, I know why from a, you know, TV world perspective, cause it's not a good TV show if that happens, but yeah. First billing actor, I'm not going to get killed <laughs> off. No, you know that easily. No, exactly. But they, they kind of built up Carl single focused in wanting revenge on Negan with no other considerations. And, uh, I'll be honest. I feel like he had a few opportunities this episode to take him out and chose not to Mm -hmm. or did not for some reason so anyways um now before before carl jumps up with the gun something else happens in this scene and that is that we hear negan's guys talking uh, as they're you know opening the back and, and climbing in the truck and one of them we hear one of the things we hear them talking about is how the redirect got screwed up and it's a mess out there now. And then something, somebody says something about a pack and a tent. So first of all, what is the redirect? I'm not sure. I feel like we'll find out more about that. And then the pack and the tent kind of sounds like the bridge that Tara was on. There were tents and there was a pack buried under sand that she tried to pull out and it sort of turned out to be a trap. Hmm. So what I'm thinking is that, sand trap on the bridge was set up by the saviors they walked right into it and that leads to the idea that you know uh heath was captured by them because it was their trap right that could that very well could be i mean when i first heard this i just assumed that they were talking about their website infrastructure like the the redirection the packets (laughs) and uh you know various things that that are going on that they need to, to maintain their uh their website Right, which is which is what the saviors are awesome dot com. Well, I would assume so. Saviors are us. <laughs> saviors are us dot com dot co dot uk. I don't think they have a uk domain. Maybe a dot org. They're an yeah, organization. Yeah, that would be a dot org. Yeah. <laughs> right or dot gov if they're feeling arrogant. <laughs> and you know they are. <laughs> so yeah. there you go. Uh, but I I think we'll probably find out a little bit more about the redirect uh, at some point. And who knows, maybe that could play into, you know, whatever plan the Alexandrians come up with. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's getting ahead of ourselves. 
So just before the opening credits, um, the camera pans back and we slowly see the entirety of Negan's fortress. And I thought it looked amazing. It did. It looked really cool. Some sort of old power plant or something. Do you have any feelings for what that building was originally? Uh, and yeah, some kind of, well, I don't know if it was power plant, some kind of uh, chemical or petrochemical processing plant, I would assume. So Lots of pipes. Factory or some of some kind. Yeah, you know, making chemicals. Right. It, it reminded me of, uh, you remember, uh, I think it might have been the last review episode, uh, recap episode that we talked about uh, uh, the Tim Burton Batman with uh, the Joker that right. fell into a big vat of acid that made him uh, the Joker face. Okay, yep. This is a very similar plant to what uh, what he was in in Gotham at the time. Okay. So I was thinking, you know, maybe uh, maybe Negan is the Joker. <laughs> Doesn't or... have a backstory. It's just, he just shows up uh, as a result of some kind of chemical plant and... Uh, you know, it just kind of hams it up, and next thing you know, he'll be uh, putting on full white face clown makeup. That is something I would like to see. Um, I also forgot to tell you, too, that last time we talked about Negan not having a backstory, a lot of our listeners wrote in and said, but wait, Negan is getting a backstory. Apparently, uh, Negan um, comics are being issued one a month, I think, inside a magazine. And I honestly forget what magazine now, but it's like an official Skybound magazine or something like that. And they're including, I don't know, 12 or 16 issues of a Negan backstory comic. So I imagine that'll be released as a single volume at some point, but I hate to disappoint you, but there actually is a Negan backstory currently being told right now in comic form. Right. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I mean, that's how we got Michonne's backstory, right? Originally, that was a, a small comic that was inside uh, a magazine. Yeah. What magazine was that? Well, I don't know. Uh, oh, there was a Michonne story in Playboy, I think. Playboy, that was it. I probably have that issue sitting around somewhere. I, I think I do too. That's the kind of thing I would buy for the uh, for the comics. It's in my uh, my Playboy room. <laughs> With my thousands upon thousands of Playboys. <laughs> I'm <laughs> glad to know you have a Playboy room. Good. Yeah, well, I need a whole room to house it. The Playboy memorabilia that I own. Of course, you're quite the collector. Yeah. Okay, so we come back. We're, we're just through to the, basically the cold open here. We're into the opening credits now, and we come back, and Negan is holding out his hand for Carl, who's still on the ground after being tackled. Carl hesitates to take it, of course. and But after a while, he does, and he gets up. And Negan jokes about not having time to screw any of his wives today. Maybe uh, one. And then takes a look at Dwight and says, maybe one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, such a sleazeball, that guy. <laughs> and Carl questions what Negan is going to do to him. So Negan takes him inside and talks to his uh, people on this sort of factory floor that they have. As he walks up, they all kneel, and Negan basically reminds them to play by the rules, and he tells everybody that they're all going to have fresh vegetables for dinner tonight. No points needed. Nice. He's such a benevolent leader. Oh, isn't he great? Yeah, he's just so great. And he's just... This whole scene was him showing off his his power over these people to Carl, right? As, he, as they walk away, he kind of whispers to him, are they still kneeling, right? He doesn't even... Yeah. They just know to stay down when when he's in the room. So it was a big show of power for Carl. <clears throat> so that's it for Negan. For now, we go over to Eugene and Rosita. They're leaving Alexandria. 
and he wants to go out to find stuff for Negan, but Rosita has a different idea in mind. She wants to, you know, go and make some bullets. Spencer and Father Gabe are leaving as well, and they suggest all traveling together, but Rosita says no way. And uh, Spencer and her talk for a second, and he blames Rick for all their problems. Mm-hmm. Well, it's Rick's fault. Pretty much everything is, is Rick's fault, yeah. Post hoc ergo propter hoc is this guy's problem. It is, eh? Yeah. Yeah, after it, therefore, because of it. Exactly. Just because all this shit happened after Rick showed up doesn't mean he caused it. It just means it happened after he showed up. Sure, I can get on board with that. Uh, but Spencer doesn't feel that way. He blames Rick for everything. So they don't travel together. They go their separate ways, Rosita and Eugene and Spencer and Father Gabe. Back with Carl and Negan. Negan brings him into a room full of his wives. There's probably five or six, maybe seven in there. And Negan first talks to Sherry. This is, of course, Dwight's ex-wife. She reluctantly confirms to Negan that one of his men, Mark, blew off redirect duty to be with Amber. So this is why the redirect, whatever that is, got all screwed up, because Mark didn't do his job so he could hang out with Amber, who is a younger-looking blonde woman in the room, who is another one of Negan's wives. All wearing little black party dresses. That's right. Negan... He controls everything. He calls all the shots. He says, today is little black dress day. Yeah. So go out and find one. I don't care where, I don't care how, but you better have one on. I feel like that's the kind of thing he would do. I would think so. And then tomorrow will be hat day. You know, everybody just wear wear a hat. Wear whatever you want as long as you have a hat. As long as you're wearing a hat. We had a hat day at school when I was younger. I thought it was great. Yeah. Well, this, that's a more happy hat day than this is. I, I have a feeling. We did not have little black party dress day. <laughs> <laughs> well, why not? You can do that on your weekends now, so it's fine. Well, yeah, it wasn't a school function. I mean, if you wanted to wear a little black party dress to school, you'd probably get some flack for it from the vice principal, but uh, you're on your own for, for doing that. You could do it if you want. You can, yeah, probably. It might be, a, uh, I don't know. The dress code seemed to be whatever the vice principal felt like that particular day. Got it. All right, well, uh, Sherry asks Negan to go easy on her, meaning Amber, and uh, Negan reminds her that he never hits any of his wives, like like that makes it all what he's doing that much better. <laughs> Such a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I never hit any of you, so come on, I'm not that bad. Uh, but uh, as we can tell, he's clearly a giant dick. So Negan goes over to Amber, who, as I said, appears much younger, and Negan says that she can go back to Mark if she wants. No one has to stay here, but it's not allowed for her to cheat on him. That is what's not allowed. And Negan threatens to put Amber, Mark, and her mom all on the same job. He doesn't really say what that is, but it's not something fun, I don't imagine. And, you know, maybe it's like zombie pit duty that Daryl is currently doing. I don't know. Well, if I know one thing... Jobs suck. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's called a job, it sucks. You don't want to do it. (laughs) All right. So no matter what it is, she's better off there, apparently. And she agrees to stay and she says she loves Negan. So. It's nice. It's sweet. uh, Yeah. It's a lie, but it's sweet. It's a lie and totally weird. Um, Now, Sherry calls Negan an asshole, which I thought was really interesting. She seems to be the one that has a little bit of ability to stand up to him. He likes that. Or she just doesn't care. But you're right. I think maybe he likes that. So is she just playing into his weakness for this kind of thing? 
I don't know if it's a weakness thing, but I think that it's one of the the main. It's not, I don't know if it's a theme, but it comes out in this episode time and time again that uh, that little bit of rebelliousness uh, and that uh, breaking your balls kind of thing is something that Negan likes. Yeah, him and Carl have a whole conversation about it. Uh, it happens later on with Olivia. Yep. And it happens now with, with Sherry. So he's really into it. Yeah, we really, uh, they really hit it home with uh, the fact that this is part of his personality, that this breaking your balls thing is uh, is something that he's into. He'll he'll dish it out and he'll take it to a certain degree. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you want to take it too far with a guy like this, but, but you're right. He seems to get off on it a little bit. Uh, so him and Negan and Sherry start kissing. And again, she sort of seems into it, but I, I have to believe this is like 99.9% an act just to go along with, with him, if not 100% an act. I don't want well, yeah. to uh, imply that any part of her is okay with what's going on here. I just go with Stockholm Syndrome. She's right? actually You're... in love with her captor? Well, I don't, it's, uh, it's not that even with Stockholm Syndrome, you don't become in love with uh, your captor or whatever. It's just, it's, it, it's a survival mechanism. Right where you stop uh, actively rebelling and you actually shift your uh, your mindset to be more in line with something that will keep you alive. Right, but you, I've always understood Stockholm syndrome as you genuinely start kind of sympathizing with your captors' beliefs. Like it's it's yes. genuine. Like you believe you start to believe what they believe. Yes, but that's it's a psychological survival mechanism, sure. as far as I know. It's uh, yes, you actually genuine, genuinely sympathize and start to, uh, as far as you know, believe that you like them or yeah. love them or want to help them out. But I think it's just, it's a survival mechanism. Yeah, no, I, I'm I I totally get that. But see, I'm, I'm just, just like my cats. Like I, I'm pretty sure my cats just you know are suffering from Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> They're captive, but uh, you know they seem to like me. And uh, it's, you know, if they didn't like me, I might not feed them. So they better like me. Oh, good. <laughs> as far as they're concerned. You have control over your cat. <laughs> uh, but all I'm saying is I'm not so sure Sherry is experiencing Stockholm Syndrome. I feel like she's really just doing this. Very, um, uh, she's aware of what she's doing, right? It's, it's, it's an act on purpose that she's just doing because she knows it plays into Negan a little bit to stand up to him a bit. And, yep. you know, to like go with the kiss in the way that she did, it's kind of just, you know, stroking his ego so that he treats her well. And I don't know, gives her, maybe that'll work to her advantage at some point. I don't know. Right. Anyways, at this point, uh, Dwight comes in with Daryl and a tray of food and they stand there watching them kiss for a minute. It's totally awkward. Daryl questions why Carl is here and Negan threatens to take Carl's other eye out with a toothpick. I'm glad they didn't do that. Daryl and Sherry share a glance uh, before Dwight takes him away. So basically, Negan leaves with Carl, and then uh, Daryl and Sherry seem to have this glance. There were a few glances between characters in this episode, I thought. So I feel like there's some, you know, secret messages being passed around telepathically. Right, very soap opera-y. Yeah, exactly. It lingers on a on a shot of someone looking at somebody else. Yeah, it's very soap opera and or uh, reality television, because they do those meaningful glances uh, in the editing of reality television. Okay, I don't watch a lot of it, but I'll take your word for it. You need to watch more, my friend. No, I do not. I'll give you I'll give you a list. You have to go back and watch all of the hills. 
is what you need to do. I reject that idea, and I'm not <laughs> subscribing to your newsletter. Come on, Spencer <laughs> and Heidi, go back and watch it. You know you want to. No, I don't. What I want to do is talk about Rick and Aaron, because okay. uh, the next thing we see is them, and they approach a sign on a gate, and Rick says that they only have to find, they only have today to find something. So they're out on their, you know, their run for something interesting for Negan, of course. And the sign they come across says, keep going. Only, uh, only thing here for you is trouble. Do they listen? Well, no, it's a sign. No, they do not. They hop the fence and go right past it. The guy might as well put out a sign saying, I got food, shelter, uh, ammo, guns, and apples. (laughs) <laughs> this way. Come on in. Come on in. Yeah, you don't put out a sign saying keep, you know, in the zombie apocalypse. It might work today if I put a sign in my front yard saying, don't come in my yard or I'll shoot you. You know, people might not deliver the mail. Probably not. Probably. And then we'd call the police and the police would show up and you'd be like, why'd you put this sign out? It's like, what are you doing on my property? I'm going to have to shoot you now. And then it becomes a whole thing, right? Yes. And then you end up shot yourself or in jail. Yeah, so your best, uh, you know, security by putting out a sign saying you're not allowed is is a bad idea. Security by obscurity is, you know, not a great idea, but it is better. Okay. Right? So, you know, don't put out a sign. Hide the driveway. Put a bunch of bushes in front of it. Put a bunch of bushes in front of it. When the bushes dry out, cut down some more bushes and put them in front of it so that nobody sees the driveway when they drive past. That seemed to make a lot of sense. Well, there's a sign here, and Rick and Aaron completely disregard it and head in. We go over to Father Gabe and Spencer. They're driving. Uh, Spencer wants to know if hating somebody is a sin, because, of course, he hates Rick. And uh, Gabe says no, but Spencer says he hates Rick and he shouldn't be in charge. Father Gabe kind of defends Rick, and uh, Spencer admits that he hopes Rick doesn't make it back alive. Hmm. So that's pretty harsh. Uh, so Father Gabe, you know, talks a bit more and then he calls Spencer a tremendous shit and decides that <laughs> he goes to walk back to Alexandria. Man, when a priest tells you that, you gotta feel bad. Well, you gotta know you've done something pretty bad. But then again, Father Gabriel has killed people before, right? Yeah, he's been a tremendous shit himself. He has been a tremendous shit. I'm, I'm surprised he's still wearing the collar, frankly. Well, I think he feels like he's redeemed himself a little bit. Rick has accepted him. You know, this is kind of what he talks about here. Um, After taking a life? uh, It's not a very priestly thing to do. You know, he didn't... Did he actually kill anyone or did he just lock them out of his church and let them... No, it was afterwards when uh, when the wolves attacked. Oh, he actually killed someone there? I think so. Okay. Well, either way, I mean... You know, killing by omission or direct killing, it's still all pretty bad. Shooting someone in the face. Yeah, that's pretty bad. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So anyways, Gabe starts to walk away back to Alexandria. Spencer gets out of the car and suddenly it seems like he hears something and runs off into the woods. I'm not sure because I didn't really hear anything. He just decides (laughs) to walk, you know, the other way and off into the woods. My spidey senses are tingling. I better go this way. That's kind of what it felt like. It's like, oh, there goes Father Gabe. Maybe I'll turn around or I'll go and say, I'm sorry, come on back. You know, let me give you a ride. Nope. He runs off into the forest and he finds a walker that's stuck up on a hunting platform with, uh, what is that? A composite bow up there on the platform? No, No, it's not. A composite bow. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Right. Sorry. Not a crossbow. Yeah. 
We, we already have one crossbow on the show. We have a crossbow, yeah. So he looks up at that. Interesting stuff. We cut back over to Negan. He has now brought Carl into his bedroom. And so this is Negan's bedroom. This is yeah. a little more opulent and uh, a little more dressed up than what we saw with the concrete bunker last time. Yeah, of course. A couple uh, with the Daryl episode. Um, you're right. You're absolutely right. This is where Negan lives. So he's got a room for all his wives. This is his bedroom where he lives and sleeps. It's very nice. It's very comfortable. It looks like looks like he has someone come in and you know make his bed every day. Of course he does. Of course he's Negan. So him and Carl in, are in there. Carl starts to question question him on having so many wives. And Negan says that, you know, having all these wives make life better. Why play by the old rules when I can make up my own rules? And they start talking about how impressed Negan is by how smart Carl seems. And then he makes him take off his eye patch to show him what it looks like. Negan comments on how gross it is, which causes Carl to start crying. And then Negan kind of appears to suddenly have a little bit of sympathy for Carl and apologizes for hurting his feelings. So I wanted to talk about this. All right. Because I'm confused by it a little bit. This doesn't strike me as Negan's character. So this strikes me as another ploy by Negan in order to achieve whatever game he's playing. We don't know what game he's playing yet. He's got Carl dragging him around, showing him the wives, showing him the the power he has. Uh, you know, Carl's killed two of his guys. So obviously there's some kind of retribution coming, but I, I, so this seems out of character and what is he getting at by doing it? He's trying to make this boy stop crying. Well, yeah, it's, it's a good question. I mean, first of all, you're assuming that he is, he is up to something here and he doesn't actually genuinely feel bad for making him cry, which I'm. I pretty much believe too. Like I, I just, I haven't seen Negan do anything before that indicates that he has any sort of sympathy or remorse for anything. Right. So why would he suddenly all of a sudden now? So, so yeah, what is he trying to do? I don't know. I mean, he talks at one point about, about trying to break Carl and maybe this is just the first step in that process. Fake some sympathy, maybe start uh, getting Carl to think, is this guy that bad? Is this guy actually my friend? You know, that seems ludicrous at this point, but maybe it's the first steps. So I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just, I'm confused. He seemed sincere. He did. So he's a good, he's a good, like Negan is a good actor. Yeah. Sincerity. Once you can fake that, you're all set. <laughs> then you're bound to be famous. That's right. Right. Or successful in business. Successful in whatever you're trying to do. Yeah, that's right. So I, I don't know. I mean, it, maybe this is going to play out, but it's a, it's a new dimension for Negan. It's a new thing. We haven't really seen this before. Um, Fat Joey all of a sudden comes in with Lucille, uh, who apparently Negan left out by the truck. And uh, Negan says, you know, um, well, wait, wait, does Negan talk about uh, no one will screw with Carl looking like that with his eye before Fat Joey comes in? Um, I know, I don't remember. I don't know. I know it comes up, but I don't remember where. Yeah. Yeah. So they start, um, he, so Fat Joey comes in with Lucille. At some point, Negan says, Carl looks like badass. No one will screw with them. I think it was the same scene. Uh, usually my notes are far better. Um, but. You have a cold. Forgive yourself. I know. I'll be fine. So Negan starts messing with Joey though, about the way he treated Lucille on the way, the way up. Um, and, uh, you know, 
he, he sort of tells Carl that this is just boys being boys, kind of breaking each other's balls. This is the kind of thing your dad should have taught you, but he hasn't already, obviously. So Fat Joey leaves, and then we go back to Negan being like a complete dick, and he asks Carl to sing him a song. Maybe it's Lucille. I'm telling you, that bat is evil. Like, Negan gets nicer when that bat is not around. That's inter- it's an interesting, uh, interesting idea. Like, the bat is the source of his power, sort of. Yeah, as soon as, like, the bat is the sentient thing, and Negan is the tool. <laughs> well, I'm not, well, that's for sure, but I'm not, I, I don't know if, if, <laughs> if that's it, but I, I know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, the, you know, when he doesn't have the bat in his possession, he becomes sincere and nice and, uh, you know, helpful, but, you know, we get that bat in his hand, it turns into a giant dick again. Well, that seemed to be what happened here. The bat showed up, he made fun of Fat Joey, and he turns into this dick wanting Carl to sing him a song. I'm telling you, it's the bat. Yeah, it seems to be the bat. So here's the song that Carl sings for Negan. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You'll never know, dear, how much I love you. So please don't take my sunshine away. Thank you, Matt, in Lindenwald, New Jersey. Matt sent that as an, sent that in as a title read, but I sort of thought it was it was better right here. So <laughs> I thought Carl's voice dropped a little bit there when you were playing it. I figured you were going to play a clip. No, that. no, sounds like Carl, but uh, his no. voice dropped. No, that was Matt in Lindenwald, New Jersey, who who Thanks, sent that Matt. in. Um, and while Carl is singing, Negan's in the background taking a few practice swings with Lucille. Yeah, don't mind me. <laughs> That's right. Don't <laughs> mind me. I'm just going to swing this super dangerous bat around that killed two of your friends. Um, and before the scene is over, Negan then asks Carl about his mother, and he has to say that he had to shoot her. Yeah. So Negan doesn't seem sympathetic about that, but I guess it's because he's holding Lucille. He's holding Lucille. He doesn't give a shit anymore. No, he does not. So we go down to the factory floor again. Uh, Negan and Carl approach and Negan makes Carl hold Lucille now. So I feel like this is the second opportunity that Carl had to pop Negan in the back of the head. It is. I'm not saying he would have killed him. I'm not saying Carl wouldn't have died in this. But he's holding the bat. Negan is looking the other way. I know he's shorter, but I feel like he could have swung. And, you know, even if a 14-year-old kid hits you with a barbed wire baseball bat in the head, it's going to hurt. Well, it's going to, you know, knock the daylights out of you at the very least. A- enough for the kid to get another two or three swings in, and then by yeah. then you're in trouble. So, But then uh, Daryl's down on the uh, factory floor, and he's got a stick uh, with a mop on the end, but it's still a stick. And I bet you Daryl can swing that stick and uh, take out five or six people before... Uh, before he gets taken down. Probably, but I don't know if that would happen. I think if Carl had swung this bat, taken out Negan, Negan's guys would have rushed up there to get Carl. And And that's why I'm saying Daryl would have helped him and saved him. Maybe, so he could run away, basically. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. I I don't know. I mean, Daryl would have died then, but um, all I'm saying is Carl came here for revenge and he seemed single-minded about it, and suddenly he's been presented with opportunities and he doesn't take them. Honestly, what should have happened in this scene, if, you know, if, it, if I were in charge and 
you know, if you, if you were Negan, <laughs> no, if I was, if I was in charge of this show, <laughs> Carl should have taken that swing at Negan, attempted to kill him and then probably been killed to be honest. Right. Like it, it would have been super shocking. I get it. It wouldn't have been necessarily great for the show, but this is sort of the th- kind of thing that they've been leading up to and then chickening out on. I agree. And I think that uh, character slips in order to further the plot has happened a few times in this season so far, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think that uh, that Carl would have taken a swing. Even if Carl take, took a swing and missed, like if he hit Negan in the shoulder, which isn't enough to really, um, which probably wouldn't have been enough for that Negan couldn't have then turned around and, and reacted. Carl still would have been killed because at that point, Negan's like, I'm throwing you off this, this balcony that we're standing on. Screw you. Um, but Carl should have taken that swing. I'll be honest. He should have taken that swing. It would have fit in with what they've sort of been leading up to on the show, but he doesn't. Um, so Negan delivers a monologue here about keeping the rules and how the saviors bring security back to this world, yada, yada, yada. Everyone down on the floor, including Daryl, is kneeling. And uh, as we all know, in Daryl's episode, he he said, I ain't never going to kneel. But I well, guess that's out the window. Never say never. Yeah, obviously, yeah. And never ever say ain't never ever. Right, because you're never going to never not ain't mean that. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. So... Down on the floor, uh, Negan takes out the hot iron that has been in the blast furnace, and he presses it against poor Mark's face while everybody watches, including Amber and Sherry. So Mark is paying the price for shirking his work duty and spending time with Amber. Um, and uh, he passes out while this is happening and pees himself. Well, yeah, and as would I. Of course, if you have a hot iron to the side of your face, yeah. Yeah, I would have chosen to pass out and be like, okay, I'm checking out of this shit. And, uh, and when you do that, you obviously, you avoid your bowels and stuff. Of course. I'll wake up again when this is all over with. Yeah. And I don't have any pee left. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so Negan, you know, he goes on a little bit more about the rules and how important they are. And there are some more, there's some more glancing in this scene. I think, uh, we sort of see a look shared between Carl and Daryl cause they're both standing there and Dwight and Sherry. So kind of another one with Dwight and Sherry. I know before it was more Daryl and Sherry, but I feel like there's something going on here, Jason. There's there's people mixed into these crowds that have a plan or or at least looking at each other thinking, boy, we should make a plan, guys. They should make a plan. You remember, uh, no, never mind. I'm going to spoil another movie by talking any <laughs> further. So we'll just move on. All right, move on. Commercial break, come back. And we are with Spencer in the woods he uses a rope to pull down that hunting zombie or hunter zombie that was up on the platform. This is a weird scene to me. First, the bow falls. He goes to get that. Then the platform falls, but the walker is hanging by like some shoulder straps. I guess he yeah, was security straps strapped to the tree. Uh, his arms rip off and the, they're rotten. Yeah. Yeah. And the walker falls. Um, but, it, but the, then the walker is just dead. Like yeah, we, he died for some reason. We don't, landed, uh, maybe his brains were in his ass and he landed <laughs> on his ass. <laughs> That's the only explanation because he landed on his feet and did he bump his head on the way down? Like, that guy, how did he die? That guy had ass for brains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I wondered it too. Um, 
we don't see Spencer kill him. I guess he just bonked his head on the way down and that was enough. I guess. No, he, I, I don't know. He's not dead in my opinion. There's no way. There's nothing they showed us that would explain why this zombie is dead. I, other than maybe, maybe it's destroy the brain or make them fall three feet. Maybe that's the rules for <laughs> killing a zombie. Destroy the brain or the ass. And that's just or, a new rule. Yeah. Or, you know, drop them. Drop them a foot and a half and yeah. just die. Well, I... Once, so Spencer gets up and, and starts going through the uh, pockets of this, of this now dead zombie, and he finds a note, which I couldn't read. Turns out it's in Latin. Yeah, I, I paused it, and I'm looking at it going, yeah, I'm, some of those words <laughs> kind of look the same as other ones of those words, but that shit ain't English. No, so I couldn't, I paused it too, couldn't read it. Um, but what I expected to happen here is Spencer to be reaching over, pulling that note out, and the zombie suddenly comes back to life and bites him in the arm. And then I started thinking, oh, he's going to hide it. He's going to go back to Alexandria. He's going to be bitten. He's not going to tell anyone. It's going to be a whole thing that we've seen done, you know, lots of times before. But they didn't do it. The zombie just was dead and uh, never came back. Wow, your brain was working overtime in that half a second that he was rifling through the pockets. It, it, it really was. Well, come on. It focused on the... Uh, I, I was... Even once he was looking at the Latin note, I was thinking, oh, he still might come to life and... This is going to happen, but anyways, it did not. We go over to Rosita and Eugene. They arrive at the bullet factory. She, of course, wants him to make her a bullet, and he refuses at first and says it won't do anything because the saviors have the numbers. Uh, Eugene goes on about somebody will have to pay the price for this. You know, if you do something is what he's saying. Negan will kill somebody, and it might not be you. So do you really want to go and cause a ruckus and get somebody else killed is what Eugene is saying. Um, She's like, screw you. You're a coward. You're weak. The only reason we protect you is because we feel sorry for you. Like she's really pretty mean to him. She really is. And uh, after this, Eugene just kind of gets to work. So um, Rosita was uh, really not so nice to her old buddy, Eugene. Well, no, but she's trying to get her way, right? And uh, her way is by, you know, she can bully Eugene around to make him do what she wants. She knows that. Yeah. So she's just using it. Yeah, no, she's, and she's doing a good job because uh, he gets to work making bullets. Um, We cut back over to the Savior's compound. Dwight meets Sherry in the stairs again, which we saw in the Daryl episode, and uh, they're having a smoke. And she points out that their deal with Negan was only supposed to affect them, but now other people like Mark and Amber are paying a price as well. So she's not feeling so happy about the deal anymore. And Dwight says, you know, it doesn't matter as long as they're safe. There will always be somebody who gets hurt and there's nothing we can do about that. Yeah. Especially with uh, Negan around. Well, yeah. I mean, make a deal with that guy. It probably is meaningless in general to him. Although he does seem to keep his word. Like he, it, I, you know, he, he ironed Dwight, but... It seems like he treats Dwight pretty well. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, he paid his price. That's the punishment. You know, we're square. We're square. Yeah. Uh, Where are we? Back in Negan's room, Carl uh, wants to wrap his face back up, put his eye patch back on, but Negan says no way. And Carl questions why Negan hasn't killed him or Rick or Daryl. And the reasons go... As such, Negan says Daryl will make a good soldier for him someday. Rick is getting him great stuff. And Carl, he's not really sure about yet. 
And Negan does not seem to know what to do with Carl. And basically Carl confronts him on this. He stands up in front of Negan and he tells Negan to jump out the window because that's going to save, you know, that's just going to get the job done and save us from having to kill you later. Seems like a reasonable idea. <laughs> it sort of does, you know, why not? Uh, he accuses, Carl actually accuses Negan of not knowing what he's going to do. And if he knew anything about the Alexandrians, uh, he would kill them. Because Carl's yeah. trying to say, we're dangerous and you're underestimating us. Well, yeah, don't spoil it. Like, don't tell him that. Well, <laughs> he's trying to intimidate him. I mean, it's not going to work, but this actually, I actually really like this scene. I like to see Carl kind of just stand up and he's sort of done this before, right? He, he did it, uh, in the house. Remember when he was pointing the gun at Negan's other guy, but he's doing it again. Carl, like he's got huge balls. He stands up in front of Negan and says, we're going to kill you someday. So you better kill us first. You know, that's asking for trouble. It really is. And I I think it's interesting that Negan doesn't really respond to it. I get the feeling Negan, in a way, at least when it comes to Carl, is flying by the seat of his pants a bit and doesn't really know what to do about him. Yeah, I think so too. I think Carl needs to read uh, Sung Su, but uh, other than that, uh, I think he's doing a really good job of uh, confusing Negan as to... You know, as far as what to do with him. Maybe it's because, maybe Negan hasn't had to deal with a kid before, right? It's always grown men and he, he feels confident against other grown men. He doesn't mind killing them. In fact, he even said that, right? I, I can kill men left, right, and center. Women, not so much. And kids, maybe he's got a soft spot for kids. Maybe he killed all the kids that the, uh, uh, were Tara uh, found uh, that all those uh, women were living, that all the children and men in Oceanside were yeah. killed. Yeah. Good Oceanside. point. 10, 10 and over. Now, did he pull the trigger? Was he there or did he just give the order and then turn his back? We don't really know. Well, I guess we don't. Either way, though, you're right. It's a, it's a good point. I mean, he was involved in some way in the killing of people Carl's age or younger. So maybe that has nothing to do with it. But uh, at any, in any case, I, I genuinely think he doesn't know what to do about about Carl and Carl's just giving him every opportunity to like hit him with that bat and he doesn't take it. So we cut outside and a bunch of trucks are leaving the, the uh, savior's compound with Negan and Carl in one of them. And look who's hiding on top. It's well, Jesus. Of course. It's Jesus. Jesus. Where is... he should be on top of the van, not in it. <laughs> exactly. He's up on top of the van now. Uh, Negan says that he's taking Carl home. Interesting idea. And he tells Dwight to put Daryl back in his box for a while because Daryl's getting a little mouthy. Says, you better not harm Carl. Uh, and as they drive off, well, Daryl glances up at the roof of the truck for a second. So it really seems like Daryl knows something or someone is up there. But as they drive off, Jesus is nowhere to be seen. Mm, Jesus has disappeared. He is Ninja Jesus. That guy can appear on the top of a truck and disappear in the snap of a fingers. He turned into smoke. He might, for a little while. He must have, yeah. This <laughs> is one of his superpowers. So Daryl's back in his cell now, and he hears footsteps approach, and then a note is passed under the door that says, go now. And on the wow. back of the note, some kind of key. What was that? It's hard to tell in the dark. I'm not sure what it was. I assume it was some kind of uh, uh, 
tool to get out of his uh, his little room. Yes. Well, also known as a key, usually. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, it could be a, a key, but it could also be, you know, there's a number of tools that you can use to get out of a room. Lockpick. Like you know, a lockpick or a reciprocating saw. It's a little small for a reciprocating saw, but you know what I mean. Absolutely. There are other things it could have been than a key. You're right. Oh, it looks like a match and a and something else that is uh, roughly T-shaped. Yeah. You know what I think would have been good? A bomb? A white key card. Talk, oh, yeah. talk about tying things together, right? Call back to the last episode. Give us a little bit of explanation as to what Tara found in the dirt there. White key card. She has one, and then somebody slips sterile one. I mean, it seems so simple, really. Jason, writing these TV shows. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I don't know why we're not doing it. I don't know either. Well, we should write a TV show. I have a pretty good idea why. Yeah, we're idiots. There's that. Yeah. Anyways, it wasn't. It was some mysterious key type tool looking thing. Uh, we'll find out, I'm sure. Uh, we cut outside onto the road, onto an empty mystery road, and a car approaches a roadblock of dead walker bodies. So I didn't know exactly what was going on here at first, but somebody, a woman gets out of this car. This is a savior. And apparently her name, the character is named Isabel. Isabel. I had to look that up. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure uh, if we'd seen Isabel before. She's looking at the pile of bodies and Michonne sneaks up on her katana drawn and says to her, take me to Negan. So they get in the car. Michonne's holding a gun now. And uh, just as she goes to drive away she steps on the brake which makes everybody jostle she tries to fight back but michonne is too much for her and uh michonne slams her into the steering wheel and repeats take me to negan i have three problems with what michonne did problem the first <laughs> problem the first she was holding the gun too high like she got in and she was holding it way much too high for uh holding up uh, against uh, isabel's head and i think she was holding it up very high so that the camera could get a good look at it uh, through all the windows of the of the vehicle. Well, like that's the one. only reason. And then the problem I had with her holding it too high was that, what, are you going to hold that there the whole time? Your arm's going to get tired. Yeah. Second problem I had was uh, you never hold a firearm right next to somebody where they can see it. Because if they have any kind of skill whatsoever, they can very quickly disarm you or knock it away and attack you, which is exactly what Isabel tried to do. Yes. So what do you do to solve both of those problems? Get in the back and seat. Get in the back seat. Right. You know, that's the third problem I had was you get in the back seat where she can't see you. You don't have to hold the gun to her the whole time because she just assumes that there's a gun pointed at her at the back of her head and she'll have a hard time getting a hold of it or knocking it away if she wants to make a break for it. Yeah. No, you're right. It occurred to me too. And you see that in movies all the time when someone has hijacked a car and says, drive me somewhere, they're in the back seat. Yeah. They don't and, sit in the passenger uh, seat. I have a bonus problem. Bonus problem. Have you ever actually, you've not seen many fights, actual fights. Actual in, uh, real life fights? Actual real life fights. No, not that many. No, I've seen like maybe a handful, but I remember one that I saw in Vegas. No kidding, really? No kidding. I'm walking down the street in Vegas and there was two guys fighting uh, and one guy was uh, had grabbed the back of uh, a guy's head and was trying to bash his head against a railing. Very similar to what oh. Michonne was trying to do here. Oh my God, that must have been disturbing. 
for you? Not really, because these guys were like so wicked drunk that it was almost comical. Okay. And there was police like gathering towards them uh, momentarily. So the, the what I saw only lasted maybe a second and a half. Okay. Right. And so uh, this guy was trying to bash this guy's head because he saw this in countless television shows and movies. Now, imagine, if you will, the muscles of your arm trying to counter the back muscles of another person. Right. You can't do it. You cannot bash somebody's head against something while they are conscious. Well, you can can do it once, but they'll start resisting, right? Maybe. maybe. This guy didn't do anything. It was just like he was trying to bash his head, but, you know, obviously his back muscles and core muscles are way stronger than that other guy's arm. Sure. And in this case, her, you know, she's got way more muscles involved in stopping someone bashing her head against the steering wheel than Michonne is employing in trying to bash her head. So there's no way you can do it. You can't do it. Okay. So, this, so this don't whole... try and do that in a fight, you <laughs> morons in Vegas. I'll tr- yeah, that good. Back in 2003. Good idea. <laughs> so this whole scene is just out the window for you. Like It's just completely ridiculous. Do what Jason Bourne would do. Get in the back seat. And that solves all the problems, actually. It solves all the problems. Okay. Yeah, well, it... And I maybe, felt... maybe take a garrote and put it around her neck and just hold it there. Like, just so you know the, the feeling of the wire. Because then, you know, because then you can pull back with all your back muscles. Right. And, you know, cut her head off, basically. But, you know, you just have to have the wire there from the back seat. Yeah. And it would be a constant reminder of do what the lady in the back seat with the garrote and the gun are telling you to do. One more question. If you, yeah. if you are in this situation and you are in the back seat and you're, you've hijacked a car and someone is driving, do you put your seatbelt on? Yeah, because, you know. They're going to try and crash the car. Sure. But if they, yes, if they do crash the car when you're not wearing a seatbelt, uh, that's, that's bad. You, you know, get ejected, you get hurt, whatever. But if something else happens, you're strapped into the car. You can't move. You can't get out as quickly. I mean, I sort of see that as a downside as a hijacker of a car too. You don't hijack a car in the zombie apocalypse in a fictional world <laughs> without being prepared to pull the trigger. Oh, that's, that's very true too. Right. So if you're strapped in and they do something stupid, you pull the trigger. Okay. Yeah. It makes sense. To try and get out of the car and run, you shoot them. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. So it just wouldn't come up. You don't be afraid. Strap yourself in because they're going to try and crash the car because that's their only play. Yeah. Uh, Or they're going to go really, really fast and it's now, now you're both in the same boat. Uh, And then that's when you, you know, pull tighter and tighter on the garrote. Yeah. Because then they'll, uh, slow down, they'll lose consciousness and Peter pants and stop pressing on the accelerator. Got it. Okay. Well, you clearly have spent a lot of time thinking about this. And, uh, no, could, this is what was going through my head in the uh, <laughs> second and a half that this the whole thing went down. Oh, yeah. Well, all valid like, points. Wrong, 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 wrong. No, nothing about <laughs> this works. All right. Well, we go back to Alexandria now, and Negan and Carl arrive at Olivia's door. So we skipped the whole trip there, which is fine with me. And they go in her house and he wants to talk to Rick, but- they're not in her house. Uh, sorry, they're in, yeah, they're in- uh, Carl's house. Carl's house. But Olivia's She's babysitting. There. She's babysitting. Yeah. You got it all figured out. Yeah. <laughs> I recognized the furniture that I liked from like three episodes ago. I'm like, oh yeah, I like that coffee table and all those shelves are really nice. Oh, good. You can model yeah. your, uh, I'm sure they're going to sell Walking Dead brand furniture. You might as well uh, 
buy some. I was just thinking from a woodworking point of view. It's like, oh, those, that's a really nice coffee table. Make your Same own? Thing. All right. I could, I suppose. Etch. Not really. Etch like Rick Hart Michonne in the, uh, in the top of the coffee table. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So they're in the house and uh, Olivia says that Rick is out scavenging for Negan. So he's okay with that. But uh, she says they're starving and he makes a joke about her weight. Again, huge dick. She starts crying. And again, Negan apologizes. His apology doesn't really feel as sincere this time, though. No, it's because he's got Lucille. He's got Lucille. That's right. Uh, Because right after that, he offers to have sex with her and she slaps him, which turns him on even more. Yeah. I'm like 50% more into you now. (laughs) Yeah. 50%. In me again, it'll be 100%. Yeah. Slap me in the face, 50%. Kick me in the balls, 100 yeah, so this is the, uh, uh, you know, the breaking your balls, uh, standing up to Negan thing that he kind of likes. Exactly. Exactly. It happens again. So Negan says that he's going to wait for Rick and tells Olivia to make them some lemonade. And then when she leaves, he tells tour, uh, tells tour, tells Carl to give him a tour of the house. So we get a really quick tour montage which I thought was so weird. After all the stuff in this episode, we get a song with them opening and closing doors, running the water. It was weird, wasn't it? Well, it was uh, It was stuff that uh, Negan doesn't really have access to in his everyday life. It's carpet. It's take your socks and shoes off and roll your feet in a nice carpet. Yeah. These are nice houses, right? And then the water works. Oh my God. They you don't actually have hot and cold running water? They don't have running water at his factory? You don't think? I assume not. I guess. It seems like a They have big deal. Uh, hot and cold running, you know, irons. That's true. <laughs> the cold iron to the face isn't quite as damaging. Yeah, it's not as bad. I mean, I still wouldn't do it because, uh, you know, like walk upstairs to, I don't know where you keep your ironing board, but if you have an ironing board and you walk into the room knowing full well that the iron's not on and you pick up the iron and you stick it to your face, it really feels uncomfortable. Because you just, well... You just stuck an iron to your face, and yeah. even though you know it is off, it still is an awkward thing for your brain to accept that you're doing. What it, the hell are you doing? This thing could be hot. It's like that feeling you get when you step onto an escalator that's not moving. You always have to adjust your equilibrium a bit because your brain expects it to be moving. That's right. Or you, you know, when you go to pick up a, a full container of milk and it's empty. Right. You use too you much. Pl- you put too many muscle fibers into it and you pick it up. It's like, whoa, that was weird. <laughs> and you end up flinging it at the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So they're doing the tour montage of the house. Eventually they come to one last door and it is Judith's room. So they find Judith. They walk in. Negan goes all goo goo gaga, picks her up, and uh, he seems to really enjoy babies. We come back from a commercial break and Rick and Aaron, we're back with them. They're sneaking into somewhere and they come to another big sign, a, like a really big one this time. And basically, <laughs> here's what it says. My name is Leslie Williams Stanton or Starton. It was hard to see. And I am armed with blah, blah, blah. He lists off a bunch of weapons. You are not smart to have not listened to the first sign. You, you will not survive and my conscience will be clear because you have been warned. I will not hesitate to protect my home, my food, my supplies, my ammo. Congratulations. The only way you have possibly read this far without being shot is I am dead. That's basically what it says, right? Well, then right after that, it says have added assholes. <laughs> okay. Well, I missed that bit. <laughs> so, um, William Stanton, Leslie Williams Starton. Is it Starton or Stanton? Do you have it there? Hard to, uh, hard to say. 
S-T-A-A-T-O-N. They look like two A's. Okay, Staten, then maybe. Anyways. Staten. So he's been living here, um, and he's been spending a lot of time making signs. So Rick and Aaron ignore this sign as well. They continue. They come around a corner, and they find a small lake that is full of walkers, and there's a houseboat floating in the middle. So they pause for a minute, but realize that today's the day. They have to find something for Negan, so they decide to somehow investigate this place. And we don't really know what they're going to do, but it appears that they're going to try to get across that lake somehow and into that well, there's a boat in the foreground. Ah, still, there's though. A, there's a tin boat in the foreground. I, I know they need supplies, but it feels unnecessarily dangerous. After all those warnings... Although presumably the guy's dead, and then well, a lake yeah. full of zombies. I don't know, man. Yeah, well, what are they going to do? I mean, they're just not just going to ignore it, and then the next episode they're going to be like, "Yeah, that wasn't worth it." Yeah, let's just pick some apples for Negan. I hope we he get apples. I hope we get to see what they do, though. To be honest, like I hope it's not just we come back next episode and oh, they're done. They found something really cool in there, right? That well, would be uh, that'd be anticlimactic. Yeah, they, just, they use a grappling hook to grab onto the houseboat and pull it to shore. Well, that's a great idea. Spencer used up their one grappling hook, though, for the, the guy on the platform. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, <laughs> I hope we do get to see what, what plays out there, and it is something awesome. Um, but I have a feeling they might just, uh, next episode, be arriving back at Alexandria because Negan's already there, and they'll be like, hey, look what we found. It was in a houseboat. There was a lake of zombies, and we got across in a boat, and now we have this cache of gold. Or something. They're just going to gloss over the actual adventure part of their adventure? I hope not. Don't forget, <laughs> when Rick was stuck in an RV last season and zombies were approaching from both sides, they glossed over his escape of that. Now, it's not quite yeah. the same thing because we we know Rick can handle situations like that, but this is a new situation and I want to see how it goes down. I would like that too. I think I would be very pissed off if they glossed over it because that means that they showed us the signs and them walking and talking, getting to the adventure, and then glossing over the actual adventure. Yeah, when it should be, should be the other way around. It should be the other way around. It should be, uh, you know, the the boat crap, and then uh, after that they talk about, Jesus this guy had a bunch of signs that said that uh, we shouldn't come here. Good thing he was dead. You could, you could even show the audience the signs on the way out, right? Show them do all this stuff and then signs on the way up. So they're not going to gloss over the adventure part of this uh, boat adventure. All right, I hope not. We'll find out next week, I I imagine. Um, but we cut back to Rosita and Eugene. They are now getting back to Alexandria. She's checking out her new bullet, so she's got her bullet, and uh, she apologizes to Eugene for what she said. But he basically rejects her apology and says, "You know, you meant it. It's fine. Whatever. Let's just not talk about it anymore." Uh, Spencer arrives and he has found a bunch of canned food and apparently that note in Latin, which he can read because he studied Latin in high school, it sounds like, was a list of caches that this hunter guy had. Nice. So there's all kinds of stuff out there and he's gone to one of them and, and picked it up. Now the gate opens and it turns out, I first, I thought it was Scott opening the gate, but it's not Scott. It is a savior. And they see all the trucks, the Savior's trucks inside Alexandria. So they now know that they are here. And Rosita has her bullet. And she that, sure does. And that bullet has Negan's name on it. And she says, oh, they're here. And she says, and Negan. Yeah. Rosita, 
is totally going down next week. That is my you think so? that's my prediction for who's going to die next week. I think it's Rosita. So they're not going to chicken out on Rosita trying to take the shot. They chickened out on Carl doing it, but they didn't chicken out. They're not going to chicken out on Rosita. Well, if there's one character they've built up the most to be ready to take this shot or at least try, it's her. You know, all she's talked about is making this bullet. She was really mean to her friend, <laughs> uh, you know, to get him to make her this bullet. So I don't think they're going to chicken out. I think she's going to try to take the shot. It's not going to go as planned and Rosita will go down, I think. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. It's only uh, only a week away. Um, but that's where that ends. And we get one more scene here before the end. It's Negan and Carl. They're sitting on his front porch. He's still holding Judith, bouncing the baby on his knee. And he starts speculating about maybe he should kill Rick and Carl and bury them in the flower bed in front of the house. And he says, move into the suburbs <laughs> of Alexandria. He, uh, he takes Judith. He Kisses her on the nose, and the episode ends. Yep. One of the most uncomfortable scenes the show has ever done, and it involves a guy holding a baby. Yes, it does. I mean, you can get very uncomfortable with a guy holding a baby and talking about murdering people. Yeah. uh, It's a very uncomfortable situation. It is, and knowing what we know about him, uh, it just, I was like, you know, I, I knew deep down they're not going to do anything to the baby, but it doesn't matter. You still can't help but feel that, uh, that my God, this is Negan. He he beats people with a baseball bat and now he's holding a baby, like the baby. So it, yeah. it was really, it was really uncomfortable, but uh, I don't know. Well, I'm pretty sure eventually he'll put the baby down and she'll be okay. Um or maybe Rosita tries to take the shot and hits the baby instead of Negan. Oh, oh no, 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 they can't do that. <laughs> I, I know, I'm just throwing ideas out there, but my God, man. I mean, they already did that with Michonne and the deer. Yeah, right? that's true. Taking the shot and missing and accidentally hitting the deer. Yeah, I don't know. So what did you think of this episode, Jason? Did you like it? I thought it was good, except for the uh, the blatant character flaws or the out of character moments that we saw. I didn't understand the, uh, the out of character moment with Negan, uh, being sympathetic to Carl. I didn't understand the, uh, why Carl didn't take the shot. I didn't understand why Carl didn't take the shot when he had, uh, a, a pistol pointed at Negan in his house two episodes before that. Yeah. Yeah. Should have taken the shot then. The only thing about that is I think it was much more close quarters, right? Like, Carl was standing there with a gun and there were other people like right in the same room as him. And when he's in the back of the truck in this episode, it's not that much different to be fair, but I do feel like he would have just started. He he also had a much bigger gun, right? And he could have just started spraying bullets and probably taken out a bunch of guys. Yeah. Um, but then when he's holding the baseball bat, didn't swing the bat either. So it, it's, it's happened more than once. Uh, in fact, a few times with, with Carl. Right. Um, I thought this episode was not incredible, but definitely a step in the right direction for for this season. It it tried to tell, you know, it tried to tell storylines involving a bunch of different characters. You know, we had Rick and Aaron doing stuff. We had Spencer doing stuff, Rosita and Eugene. We had Negan, um, you know, little bits with Daryl sort of dropped in there, which is all related to the Negan stuff. So I like that. I've... 
I think I want the show to get back to mixing it up a little bit all within one episode rather than being so singularly focused on one or two characters each each week. Yeah, I agree. So it's a step in the right direction in my mind. I still feel like there was a little bit too much Negan, a little bit too much Jeffrey D. Morgan hamming it up, um, chewing the scenery a bit, but, you know, it's okay. It was another 90-minuter, and I feel like we could have cut a little bit of the Negan stuff. And I think the episode would have felt way more balanced to me. It felt like a whole lot of Negan with a little bit of Rick and a little bit of everybody else. But if, if we'd maybe gotten rid of a bit of Negan and Carl, you know, how, how many times do we need to hear him talk about, there are rules and the rules are important. You know, I mean, I feel like blah, we get blah, the blah. point. Exactly. Yeah. We get the point. So, you know, step in the right direction, but not quite, Back to what I want, I don't think. The only real question that this episode left me with was, uh, what happened to Spider-Jesus? Because he just kind of, uh, you know, threw his web off into the distance and swung off the top of that truck. Because when we that truck first pulled up, when they were first leaving uh, the, the compound, the Savior's compound, he was on the roof. But then when that van drove away, he was not there anymore. Yeah. Where did he go? It, it doesn't seem like he would have anywhere to go, right? He's on the roof his like Negan's men are all around or at least the zombies are all around Dwight is right there and somehow he's able to jump off and hide and not be seen by anybody uh do you think it's Jesus that slipped Daryl the note or is it Sherry 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 okay so Jesus hasn't like snuck in and you know is working the room already Sherry's got other things going on no he's off somewhere else maybe he jumped on the Camera crane? That's the only explanation I can think of. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know. Everybody always ignores the camera crane. Yeah. In in all of these shows. And they it would never be so... seem to see the major setup of equipment that goes on behind the camera. It would, it would be so helpful <laughs> if they could just use that. Right. Yeah. Um was there something else I wanted to bring up on this episode? No, maybe that was it. Just that it yeah. It, so step in the right direction, but uh, not quite there, but you're right. I, I'm curious about what's going on with Jesus. Again, we could have had a little bit more Jesus, you know, a little bit more of his plan and a little bit less Negan. The only line I really didn't like that came out of Negan's mouth was when Carl is singing and Negan is swinging the bat. He says something like, do not let me interrupt you, young man, or something like that. And it was just yep. too much. It was too much. It was over the top. I'm like, shut up. Just stop it, you. <laughs> that's because the bat doesn't know how to act human. Obviously not. That's, it, that's the problem, is that the bat is taking over Negan and uh, doesn't know how to properly act human. But when the bat's not around, Negan can act like a human being. It's an interesting theory. That yeah. bat does things to his mind. All right, that is our recap of Season 7, Episode 7. We'll be back after a quick break here to read your holy crap moments. Stay with us. Was it a lie or maybe 
All right, it is time to thank new listeners who have gone over to patreon.com slash the talking dead and supported us there. I'd like to throw a big thank you out to Laura in Copenhagen, the beautiful city of Copenhagen. Now, Laura said that we could just pass on uh, making a shout out for on her behalf, but that being the case, I think I want to shout out to the city she's in, Copenhagen. You ever been there, Jason? I have not ever been there. It is a beautiful city. I spent a few days there, um, God, 17 years ago, 16 years ago or so. Really, really nice. And you know what's nearby Copenhagen? Uh, North Bay. Billund, Denmark. And you know what's in Billund, Denmark, don't you? Beer of some kind. No, the original Legoland. Oh, Of course, Lego is Danish. You're a big Lego fan. I'm a big fan of Lego. I went to Legoland and had a great time, other than it was raining, but great time. So that was a really fun experience. So uh, hooray for Copenhagen, hooray for Legoland, hooray for Denmark, and hooray for Laura for supporting us on Patreon. If you'd like to do that, visit patreon.com slash thetalkingdead. But because it's the holiday season, it is a great time to use our Amazon link when you're doing all of your Christmas and holiday shopping at Amazon.com. Visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash Amazon. Click on the store or the country of your choice to be directed right into that Amazon store. And when you do all your shopping, a tiny little cut comes back to us and uh, just goes into all the costs associated with doing this podcast. It is a great and easy way to help. It doesn't cost you a thing. You won't even notice it's there. All you have to do is click through that link before you shop. TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash Amazon and click on the country of your choice. Thank you so much to everyone who supports us on Patreon and uses our Amazon link. We appreciate it a great deal. Holy crap. Did you see that? It's time for Holy Crap, Did You See That? Where we play calls and read emails from listeners about uh, little things in the episode that they thought deserve a call out or made them jump up off their couch and say to whoever's around, holy crap, did you see that? You can say that right to your TV. I do all the time. All the time. Your TV's always... I talk always... to the TV. I yell at the TV. I get mad at the TV. TV does things that piss me off. TV does things that I like. Sometimes you hug the TV because it's just so nice. I don't ever recall hugging the TV. <laughs> it's a Simpsons reference. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. The Bart and Lisa are hugging the TV. Homer's in the other room. Are you hugging the TV? <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Our first holy crap this week is a call from Lee in St. Catharines. And I must admit, this is related to last week's episode, not this one. But I thought I'd play it because I'm a nice guy. <laughs> Here we there go. There you go. Hey, Jason and Chris. This is Lee from St. Catharines. So I have a holy crap, did you see that? Um, in the scene where Tara and Heath are on the bridge and they've knocked over the sand uh, and they're all backing up and there's an aerial shot with Heath at the top of the screen and uh, Tara on the bottom, there's a little pair of walker feet that go above Heath and just walk past him like la-di-da, nothing matters. So my holy crap is maybe a vegan zombie. We have RV Expector. Maybe it was a vegan in life that died and decided, ah, I don't want to eat meat. Not for me. Well, that's my holy crap. Thank you, Lee. So the reason I wanted to play this is because in some ways it goes back to the original spirit of the holy crap moment that I 
that I thought of when we came up with this, where it's, it's some little thing in the background that, you know, could be thrown in as an Easter egg or something you noticed or something that was important to you, but possibly nobody else. And you just wanted to throw it out there. So, um, I went back and looked at the scene that Lee is talking about and yeah, so Heath is there and you see a zombie just casually walking away from him. You know, all, all you see is the feet, right? And it's like, oh, that's funny. That's probably something that nobody noticed or they just left in figuring it wasn't important. And uh, what are you going to do? So <clears throat> I thought that was kind of a fun one. That is fun. Uh, thank you, Lee. Next one is Emma in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Hi, Chris and Jason. Uh, this is Emma from Winnipeg, Manitoba. I just wanted to call in with my holy crap, did you see that moment? Um, and it was during the episode open where Michonne was walking down the street and the two walkers showed up right behind her. Um, I thought it was really neat because it's a cool throwback to original Michonne, which kind of makes me think that it's going to bring back uh, kind of her soldier side, which is really neat. So Emma goes on a little bit more there, but Emma, I might save that rest of your call for our feedback show later this week. But uh, Michonne, yeah, being a little bit more of a lone wolf, sort of. Yeah, and she's the Pied Piper. She's leading the uh, the zombies. Really, she's leading them to just create a zombie roadblock, but same. Zombie pile, yeah. <laughs> same, same thing, yeah. Uh, she got a lot of them, though, because there was a whole bunch in that pile by the time uh, Isabel got there. Must have taken her hours. Although, yeah, maybe, but if you watch the first two there in that opening scene, that first zombie, he comes out of the bush really quick. Like, he comes out of the bush, comes right across the shoulder of the road and right onto the road really fast. Like, that guy, he ran through that bush. I'm not sure I could do that, and I'm not even undead. <laughs> right? Well, it all, it's all a matter of, you know, what you were like when you were alive, right? There's residual memories yeah. and residual skills and abilities. He's another but, uh, hunter, so he's good at navigating the bush. Navigating the bush, and maybe he's a little quicker than uh, you in real life. That's true. Or was before he died. Yeah, because I'm slow. All right, here's next one is Janice in Brooklyn, New York. Holy crap, did you see that? Apparently, Negan does not listen to the podcast because he referred to Carl's weapon as a machine gun when Jason explained to us very clearly and in great detail that that is not a machine gun. There you go, Jason. Absolutely right. Funny, funny how these things happen. You know, I call it a machine gun. You you correct me, rightfully so. Very next episode, Negan comes along and says, you killed my guys with a machine gun. And No, no he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was an assault rifle. <laughs> exactly. So um, It's an M16 assault rifle. Come on. Well, yeah. Everybody you, knows that. Yeah, apparently I didn't, but I do now. And apparently nobody on the show, writers, anybody, took the time to think, hey, that's not a machine gun. Give me $1,000 if you can name the type of ammo that it uses. It's a, what, what kind of gun did you say it is? M16. So it uses M16 uh, <laughs> ammo. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Like size or? or yeah, size. <laughs> um, that's measured in caliber, right? Uh, 12 caliber ammo. <laughs> Five, 5.56. Oh, okay. Millimeter. All right. Yeah. I don't know I anything so. about anything, especially, especially guns. Uh, all right. Thank you, Janice and Brooklyn for that. Uh, next call is Lindsay in Pittsburgh. Hi, Lindsay from Pittsburgh here. Holy crap. Did you guys see the way that that guy's skin on his face snapped back like bubble gum on the bottom of a shoe when they pulled the hot iron off? It was so gross. 
It certainly was. I liked it. Uh, that was Mark's face skin being yanked away by the hot iron and then snapping back. Super, super gross. But he didn't know because he was unconscious and peeing himself. So, well, no, he didn't know. He'll know in a few minutes. Like he's gonna, <laughs> he's gonna be aware of it pretty damn soon. But uh, at that point, no, he was not aware. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna know soon. You're right. All right, thanks to everyone who called. Uh, next up is emails. Sean on the internet writes, "Holy crap, JDM is ruining TWD. WTF, AMC." <laughs> Jeez, that's a lot of acronyms in there. I think he's mostly joking, but the sentiment is JDM is ruining The Walking Dead. Well, yeah, if he's hamming it up so much, but I, I blame the bat. I think the bat is doing it. It's Lucille's fault, not uh, not Jeffrey Dean Morgan and uh, not Negan. Well, Steve on the internet writes uh, along a similar lines, writes, holy crap, I think Negan was in a chorus line. Every time he snaps back his withered physique, it looks like he's going to kick up his heels. Horrible acting by JDM. <laughs> And everybody knows my thoughts on this. I've said it a million times. He's hamming it up. And I do think it was a little better this episode, but not much. And uh, there was at least one line there that I thought was really bad. So I wouldn't go on to say horrible acting. I'm just not sure I enjoy the acting choices that are being made. So that's all I can say. Ronan in Ireland writes, holy crap, did you see how much screen time Negan got? I agree with Chris. Less is definitely more when it comes to the leader of the saviors. And I think that is a really good point. If he, w- if he was going to ham it this much, but we didn't see as much of it, maybe it wouldn't jump out as much at me. Right? Yeah. 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 Could we, it could be less is more. I, uh, I agree with the sentiment. Less is more when you, uh, for, you know, uh, uh, a really good band you like, leave the audience wanting more and right. they won't let you leave when you play Unless the show. Unless you're uh, the original P-Funk, then you play all night long. All night long. Yeah. <laughs> I okay. remember going to see them back in the 90s and uh, they played for like three and a half, four hours. It was crazy. Yeah. they were. It was insane. I was exhausted and I wasn't even on stage. I was lying in bed last night. Jason, and I was thinking to myself, I wonder if Jason would actually really be open to the idea of starting a Jason in the 90s storytelling podcast, <laughs> where like once a month, you tell a story. It can be five minutes, it can be an hour and five minutes, but it's always entertaining. Well, yeah, that would be, that would be the, that's the whole story that I just told that time we went to see <laughs> the original P-Funk. Well, then what you have to do is you have to write it, write out fictionalize it a little bit, add something to it, and just become a, a good master storyteller. I could. I could talk about the uh, the bartender that uh, I asked for a recommendation on her drink, and she uh, she gave me a recommendation, and I, I drank that drink for quite some time afterwards. <laughs> See? That's the kind of thing you need to, to flesh out your stories with. Yeah. And then you went home with her, and then it went from there. No, no, that never happened. But we all came up with uh, funk names. Because we had we were going to go see a funk band, so we had to have funk names. So we had uh, Hippopotafunk, and uh, I was Sweet Sweet Daddy Funk, and uh, we had everybody had a funk name. It was awesome. See, you say that the story ends right there, but there's obviously <laughs> a lot more to this. <laughs> so. We got all dressed up. It was great, <laughs> and there's probably pictures. There isn't. All right. Uh, anyways, that's what I was thinking about in bed last night. So give that yep. some thought. Um, sure. John in Deal Kent UK writes, holy crap, that looked like a motorcycle key that Daryl received with the go now note. Oh, it's a motorcycle key and a match. There was also a match. What's the match for then? I don't know. Lighting the uh, dynamite on fire? I don't know. There's got to be dynamite. You know, if you're going to have a match, 
actually the guys, the the saviors at the beginning who were talking about or who were waiting the night with the uh, Negan truck, uh-huh. they said something about dynamite sticks. They did. I think they did. They, they may not have said the word dynamite, but explosive sticks or something like that. So there may be some dynamite and that match may be for lighting that dynamite. There you go. Go now. Light the dynamite on fire and uh, get your uh, your your rocket motorcycle and get out of here. Either that yeah. or the matches for burning the note so it never existed. Oh yeah, that's a good idea too. There's that too. I don't know. But then how do you explain having a motorcycle? <clears throat> yeah, well, he needs, I don't know. You need the key. He needs the key to get away. He needs the match to light the dynamite. The dynamite blows everything up. It's, next week's going to be awesome if it plays out the way I think it is. Right. <laughs> Uh, all right, James in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania writes, Holy crap, Papa Negan. Finding Judith has been stepped around. Finding Judith has been stepped around since the saviors showed up, and Negan finally has a bouncing baby girl on his lap. The added drama when Rick gets back should be good. I agree. I don't think Rick's going to be too happy about Negan holding his daughter. Nope. Um, Lauren in Florida, holy crap, did you see Negan's over-the-top facade slip for just a few seconds? When Carl was crying out of his one good eye, it seemed for a moment that Negan actually regretted being so harsh with him and started to sympathize a bit. And then Fat Joey had to go knock on the door and ruin the moment. I'm still trying to figure out, uh, if that hint of compassion was genuine or just another part of Negan's mind games to manipulate Carl. I agree. I don't know what happened there. Yeah. And we've kind of covered, and uh, it's all the bat's fault. Of course. Uh, Lauren in Massachusetts writes, Holy crap, did you guys slowly die inside as Negan held Judith and kissed her forehead? We know he wants a baby because of the pregnancy test from a previous episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Uh, he likes kids. He likes babies. He likes kids. Sherry is not pregnant. And maybe Negan is going for for an offspring. Maybe. Jeez creepy man um sally on the internet writes holy crap it was awesome to see sing me a song have multiple story arcs in it including spencer and father gabriel eugene and rosita aaron and rick negan and carl daryl michonne jesus etc this is how the rest of the season needs to go since there's so many different characters in play now and i agree let's do this but balance it out a little bit more um Let's see, Laura in Montreal, Quebec writes, my holy crap, did you see that moment was when they showed us Negan's bedroom at the Savior's compound. How the hell did they convert a room in an old industrial building to look like a showroom from a West Elm store during the apocalypse? Wow, being Negan sure has its perks. They go around to all the outlying communities and take their stuff. Yeah. You just took the mattresses. Maybe this is where it all started. It's like, well, maybe the first time they took the mattresses, they needed the mattresses and they needed all the bedroom suites and all that kind of stuff. But afterward, it just became fun to take the mattresses. Yeah, exactly. And they, they get everything they need to make Negan a nice, comfortable palace up at the top of that building. Yeah, absolutely. And his, his uh, bedspread had buttons, which I had never seen before. A but bedspread, it's bedspread with buttons. But it's extravagant. Like that's, you, I would think so. That's how I don't you, own a bedspread with buttons. No, that's how you know you've made it in life, right? And a, you know, four poster canopy bed. Also that. Also, yeah, yeah. I don't have that either. No. Um, do you think Negan walks up, like how high up in that building do you think his room is? Do you think he's walking up like 30 stories to his room every day? 
no, thirty stories. Good lord, no. I mean, if if that would happen, he would have an elevator that was manually operated by uh, zombies walking on a treadmill because that's a good idea. It's a really good idea. So <laughs> might be a slow elevator, but it would get there. <laughs> it would get there eventually. Six hours later, I could finally go to bed. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Travis in Ozark, Missouri writes, holy crap, did you see that? Carl doesn't hesitate to shoot two random saviors that never hurt anybody that he knew, but he can't pull the trigger when Negan is staring down the barrel of his assault rifle. What an idiot. What an idiot. Yeah. I agree. Plain and simple. Uh, Jim in Dorchester, UK. Holy crap, did you see that Daryl knocked, Daryl kneeled down for Negan? Surely it's just to keep his own head on his shoulders? Yeah, he's got Stockholm Syndrome. Well, and like he started to love Negan. The thing is, everybody else in that room kneels. Like if he, if Daryl's the only one standing, he's gonna get his kneecaps whacked until he kneels. That's true. You know, so I think he's just saving his own bacon there. Um, Ray in San Antonio, Texas, wrote: If I had to pick one holy crap moment, it would be Daryl still having the balls to talk back to Negan and say, "If you hurt him," in defense of Carl. I lost any animosity I may have had for him causing Glenn's death. So there you go. I mean, uh, Daryl stands up for his friends still. Still. Right? Even though he knows it's going to get him stuck in the box for a while, as Negan said. That's okay. That's where the match and uh, motorcycle key are. It turns turns out that's where he wanted to be at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, okay. David in Ireland writes, my holy crap moment is the first savior calling the other one an idiot to get him to listen. Maybe Scott Gimple does listen to the podcast. <laughs> listen, you idiot. Listen. <laughs> uh, he doesn't have time. <laughs> no, he does not have time. But Greg cool. Nicotero, on the other hand, he listens to the podcast. Absolutely. He's Scott called in. Good. Yeah. Scott Gimple, no. That's not true. He hasn't called in. He should, uh, he should listen to the podcast because, uh, you know, obviously- the fact that he doesn't listen to the podcast is going to lead to him getting fired off the show. I hope not. But I hope not too. Could happen. Uh, finally, here just to reinforce this one more time, Michael in West Virginia writes, "Holy crap! Did you see that? Chris and Negan have something in common. Neither of them know the difference between an assault rifle and a machine gun. <laughs> Yet I do now. I've learned." And uh, I will try not to make that mistake again until like three seasons from now when I forgot, and then it just comes out machine gun again. So. so, you know, uh, pop quiz, my friend, what kind of ammo does an M- M16 take? 5.6 millimeter? Oh, close. 5.56. It rounds oh, up. okay. You have to be precise. 5.56 by 40 NATO round. Okay. I probably won't remember that, but if the zombie apocalypse ever comes, Jason, I'm coming to your house and you can give me a quick uh, uh, weapon and ammunition seminar. Sure. I know it's smaller than the uh, the Canadian military's, well, the old ones, the FN... Uh, C1A1 that I used when I was in the reserves was a 7.62 millimeter NATO round, but the 5.56 is smaller. You can fit more into the magazine, which is good, but because it's a lighter round, it was more prone to jamming, which is bad. So there's upsides and there's downsides. There's upsides and there's downsides. Okay. Makes sense. All right. Thank you everyone who wrote and called in with your holy craps. Uh, And uh, that is the end of our podcast for today, which is fine because I don't know if my throat and voice can take much more of this. Hopefully I didn't sound too bad 
all night it's tonight. Fine. Yeah, but yeah, it, you're fine. It sounds terrible in my own head. So, well, your head is sick. <clears throat> I think I'm off a little bit, and my throat is hurting more than usual. So, uh, we're gonna have to wrap. Luckily, we're ready to wrap it up right now. Anyway, so, uh, Jason, why don't you tell everyone how they can get in touch with us? Oh, they can probably <laughs> send us an email at uh, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail dot com. There's that. Uh, they can reach us on facebook.com slash the talking dead. Correct. Uh, or there's another way. They can, you can tweet at us at talking dead at talking dead. The confusing part about that is there's no the, that's right. I, I really wish there was, but it's already taken. And, uh, if they want, they can go to the website and click send voicemail to record a message into their computer. Uh, talking dead podcast.com that's the website <laughs> yeah i got them all right eventually you have them written on your monitor mr man it's, i do not it's true uh mr man <laughs> it's true uh i don't really have to look at that anymore though after 297 episodes i've memorized most of that stuff um but that's uh it is there so you're right cool um and, and just the other thing, please use our Amazon link when you're doing your holiday shopping, talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon, and uh, that'll really help us out, which is fantastic. All right, we should be back on uh, later this week on Thursday night with our feedback show, so keep your feedback coming, send it into the email address and all those other ways. And until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao. Jesus, you look awful. Don't you worry, we'll have Carson fix you all up. Are you thirsty? Here. Ah, oh, I forgot. Your mouth is all puffed up like a baboon's ass. Need a straw? D, give him a straw. What's wrong with you? See that guy? He hustles. I like hustle. But believe it or not, things weren't always cool between us. CD here, he worked for points. Him and his super hot wife and her super hot sister. But see, sis, she needed meds. And that shit's hard to scavenge, so it cost more. Sis fell behind on points. So I asked her to marry me. Told her I would take care of her in sickness and in health, blah, blah, blah. Because I am a stand-up guy. She tells me she's gonna think about it. Next thing you know, I'm dealing with an orange situation. Dwighty boy here stole all the medication and took off with his super hot wife and my super hot maybe soon to be fiance. So I had to send my guys after him. Because I can't let something like that stand. There are rules. Cost me an arm and a leg to go after him. And you know what? Dwighty boy, 
<laughs> he still got away. But here's the thing. D, he saw the light. He manned up. He came back. He asked for my forgiveness. I like that. Made me take notice. But Lucille, well, you know how she is. She is a stickler for the rules. So Dwight, he begged me not to kill Sherry, which I thought was kind of cute, so I was just going to kill him. But then Sherry says that she will marry me if I let Dwight live. Which, if you think about it, that's a pretty screwed up deal. Because I was going to marry your sister until she wound up dead. But, Sherry is super hot. Anyways, it was a start. But it wasn't enough. So Dwight, he got the iron. And then I married his super hot wife. Ex-wife. And then after all that, he still got on board. And now look at him. Pow! One of my top guys. And we're totally cool. The point being, I think you can be that guy. I think you are ready to be that guy. You look around here. This? Well, it can all be yours. All you gotta do is answer one simple question. Who are you? What? Cat got your tongue? You're just overwhelmed by the awesomeness of this? I'm gonna ask you one more time. Who are you?